This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome yeah. to the Clay Young Show. Well, we're back again on another edition of the Clay Young Show here on Podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. The floodwaters have largely receded, and the rebuilding effort is continuing here in South Louisiana. Bent but not broken is the best way to describe how we are down here. If you're listening in some other part of the country or in some other country, as we have come to understand, the Clay Young Show has been accessed in nearly 20 countries around the globe. Thank you guys for that. We always tell people hit the subscribe button if you want to keep up with what's happening here in Louisiana, or if you just want our thoughts at podcast225.com, we have very interesting guests every week talking about a variety of subjects, and today we're talking more about the flood. John Conroy will be back to talk more about dealing with mold and how to apply the chemicals that you buy, commercial-grade chemicals, not bleach, and whether you get them from him or from some other distributor, You want to be smart about it. You don't want to wait very long. You want to do this right because you can save thousands in the process. And he will be joining us uh, on uh, by way of telephone. And we're going to talk with Jay Grimes after John Conroy. Jay's going to be here to talk a little bit about this event. And he will put it in perspective for you in ways that will certainly make you go, wow. And uh, we look forward to having him on in just a moment as well. Don't forget, as I said earlier, you can download the show every week or every time a new one comes along by hitting the subscribe button. We're looking at other platforms to put the podcast out on. We've got other shows coming here to podcast225.com. And in fact, one is starting next month. And you'll hear more about that the closer we get to it. You know, these floods have kind of thrown everything off. And a lot of plans people had for this time of the year have either been canceled or delayed because of all of the water that has just, I mean, devastated the capital city region here in Louisiana. There's a big concern over whether or not some parts of this region will even return. Some of the same conversations we were having after Hurricane Katrina, they're going on here right now. So we'll be out front telling you guys about it, and you'll be able to hear from many of the decision makers here. And I said it last week, and I'll say it again this week. We will have some time to talk about the politicians and the way that they have responded or not responded to this tragic event. Right now, people are hurting, and they're looking for answers. They're looking for information. They're looking for ways to get help. And that's the top concern and priority for me and many people in this part of the world right now. We can get to the political stuff after the fact. And rest assured, we will. There are lots of elections this fall for local offices here in Baton Rouge. And this is a great time to see how people react and how they act in times of crisis. You can see where someone's going to be when bad times happen right now because we're in the middle of one. Before we take a quick commercial break, I want to offer my thoughts and prayers to the family of Kevin Meeks. 
Kevin and I worked together at WJBO in Baton Rouge here for about two years. It was a very, very interesting time. I remember my first time with Meeks. I got into there early in the morning and we did a two-man talk morning show and we had lots of mornings where we were screaming at the top of our lungs at each other in disagreement over a subject matter. But when the mics went off, even though we still disagreed and we weren't putting on for the on the air listening crowd, we understood it's just opinions. Just because we disagree, because we scream at one another, doesn't necessarily mean we have to hate one another. You almost wish that was the attitude in politics right now, right? He loved his son, Josh. Loved Josh. Talked about Josh a lot. He loved his Harley. He loved movies. Man, Meeks might have been the most knowledgeable movie person that I knew. Whether you wanted to hear about movies or not, he always had a story to tell. And of course, he loved the Saints and he loved his Tigers. Kevin Meeks was, I said this in a Facebook post, he's the best partner I've ever had. I've had a few partners in radio and no slight to any of the rest of them, but he understood the role that he needed to play and he played it well every day. We worked well off of one another because we both had jobs and responsibilities in that task. And he made it so convenient for me when I went in there because Matt Kennedy had just left WJBO and he was on a non-compete period before going over to Talk 107.3. And when I got in there, morning shows, as you know, are fast moving. And gosh, I hadn't done it since 05 on a daily basis. And this was 2011. And he just made everything easy. And I, I never forgot that. And so uh, just saddened to hear about Kevin Meeks. I was leaving a friend of mine's uh, building on Saturday and Richard Condon had reached out to me and I missed it because um, you know, we were doing that and I was just heartbroken to get that news. Such a shame. Meeks has been off the air now for a few months and I didn't know what he was doing. I reached out to him a couple of times. But one thing Kevin and I kind of shared was he, he loved his privacy. And I certainly can relate. So anyway, uh, he was a great broadcaster. He was a great father because he loved his boy. He loved his son. And Josh is now working at WAFB as executive producer of The Morning Show. And he is extremely talented. And he indeed has his father's sense of humor. <laughs> And for those of you who know Josh, and for those of you who knew Kevin, you know what I mean. And I and that I mean that in the most complimentary way. So rest in peace, Meeks. We'll miss you, bud. All right, a quick break, and then we're back with John Conroy, and we'll talk about mold and how to get rid of it right here on The Clay Young Show. Clay Young here with Brian Lowe with Brian Lowe Financial. Everybody talks about baby boomers right now, Brian. Among their top fears, what do you hear the most often? You know, quite frankly, the number one fear I hear about people, baby boomers in general, is uh, outliving their money. Okay. You know, you know, when can you retire? Is it 62, 65, 66? When do you take Social Security? Right. Uh, and then how long the money will last? You know, too many people come into my office and they've underestimated their expenses by about 30%. Mm. So the question is, how much money do you need? Uh, what's your monthly expenses? Uh, let's put the plan together. Let's put the roadmap. Once we put the roadmap together, we know exactly when you can retire. 
uh, that's uh, overestimate what your expenses are and put you on a plan to ensure you won't run out of money the rest of your life. Is it complicated to understand? The it's very really simple. Uh, it's a five-step process. We take you through two meetings. By the end of the two meetings, we'll have you in the right direction. You can learn more and set your appointment by going to brianlowfinancial.com. That's brianlowfinancial.com. This is the Clay Young Show on podcast225.com. All right, back on the phone with John Conroy. As you know, he's the founder and owner of Pest Stop Do-It-Yourself Pest Control. He's got his own project at Pest Stop One here in Baton Rouge, cleaning it out and getting it ready for uh, all of the customers who are coming through. How, how's that going, bud? Uh, that's a work in progress, you know, uh, kind of going for that new industrial open air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> But we're waiting on customers hand, you know, hand over foot. I mean, it, you know, the, the major products that are moving right now are obviously for the Sterifab, for the mold and mildew and the Boracare. And uh, what we've decided to do is to increase our discount from 10 to 15 percent wow. for flood victims, you know, that have been impacted by that. Because, I mean, they need help. This is costing everybody a tremendous amount of money. Well, it is. And the biggest thing right now is I think people have never really had to deal with this kind of mold problem here. That's true. And you're going to find that mold will be showing up in areas that didn't even get wet. Because, for, for example, you know, once for, for it becomes example. A, You've said that before. For example, uh-huh. what? Well, what happens is when you get in and you start removing sheetrock, now the, now the mold spores become airborne. And, and then you bring in fans, and that will even push the, the mold spores around. They'll be, they'll be landing in areas that weren't, didn't even get wet. But later on, you'll start seeing mold and mildew showing up in those dry areas. So the, the trick is, or the solution to that, is to treat as much as you possibly can with Sterifab. Sterifab is using isopropyl alcohol. It will kill the mold and the mildew, but more importantly, it will kill the seed. And okay. that is what keeps it from regerminating four, five, six months from now to where you don't have to rip it all out again. Now, you know, and the second thing you need to do is you've got to treat the, the, the wood with Boracare. That's a wood penetrator that'll go all the way through the wood with the main objective of stopping or preventing wood rot from developing. Because remember, all that studying is untreated wood, and it does not like water. You know, I was talking to Jeff Leduff about this yesterday, and I told him that it isn't difficult to apply, but you've got to move quickly. For instance, when you're applying the Sterifab, you want to get that in there kind of early so it can sit for at least 24 hours. Is that right? Th- th- that's true. You-, you do want to wait at least 24 hours between the two applications. And the main thing for homeowners right now is do not close these houses up right now if you can't get in there to do work. Because what you're going to create is a breeding zone for mold and mildew. We need, okay. we need to start dry, drying out the structures. Even if you can't get in there to do the demolition right now, go ahead and open up the structures, get cross-ventilation going through there to keep down that, uh, the humidity. So what do you do if you're someone now who's just getting into your home this week and it's been sitting with water in it for, say, seven days or so, and the, you know, the mold issue is everywhere. I mean, is there a point where it's okay. too late to do anything? Oh, absolutely not. No, but, but there is a point where it becomes a health concern because you don't want to be, you know, obviously inhaling uh, airborne uh, uh, spores. And that's what happens when you start removing untreated sheetrock. So the first thing you want to do, if you find yourself in that situation, 
is spray down everything before you remove anything with Sterifab. And let that dry for about an hour or two, and then you can start to safely remove the sheetrock. That will prevent it from becoming airborne and and help minimize the risk of you inhaling it. Now, Uh, once you... Go ahead. No, I was I was going to say, and you will when if people hear this and they remember it, but they forget details of it when they come see you. You guys talk people through it. What, what's been the biggest oh, question? Absolutely. What's been the biggest question you've you've gotten from people? Um, how successful is bleach? Huh. Or you Not know, at all. the first thing I want to do is, is treat it with bleach because that's what they're hearing on the radio. Yeah, you even got people from FEMA telling them, "Oh, you know, mold and mildew doesn't grow on wood." Really. I can show you a wood desk that's just coated in it. Yeah. So, I mean, look, the bottom line is, one, Clorox or bleach is so corrosive that it will literally destroy your wiring that it lands on. It will destroy the nails that it lands on. And thus, you know, you're going to have to, after, after you get it all renovated and looking all pretty and you put your hand against the wall and the darn thing starts moving on you, it's like, oh, my gosh, now yeah. I've got to rip out the whole darn wall. So for Pete's sake, do not use bleach. No matter what you do, do not use bleach. So let's You've take got people, to use Sterifab. Let's take people through the steps one more time from start to finish. What do they do? Okay. Uh, the first thing they're going to want to do is treat all non-impacted surfaces with a light mist application with Sterifab. Okay. Then we're going to close, narrow the pattern of our sprayer as we get into the flood-impacted areas which is going to be mainly the wood and any wood sheathing that may be uh, that, uh, reachable that's going to be on the exterior walls. You're going to want to treat all of that. You're also going to want to take the time to remove any flooring that's on the floor and raise your bathtubs to spray underneath because you're also going to want to, on the way out, treat the entire floor to kill the bacteria. All of that is done with one product, it's Sterifab. It's ready to use. You don't dilute it. You just pour it in a sprayer and spray it. It will smell like alcohol. It's going to create a sterile environment. That is your number one objective for that application. Then you're going to let that dry for 24 hours. Then you're going to come back and you're going to mix one-to-one a product called Boracare. You want to pre-mix that in a bucket and then pour that into a pump sprayer. A gallon will make two gallons of solution. And then you're going to want to treat not the sheetrock, but you're going to want to treat all the exposed studding and wood sheathing on exterior walls. Man. And then let that dry for several days and then take the time, get online, go to Amazon.com, get you a moisture meter. They run about 28 bucks. Hold that moisture meter up next to the studding. Do not close it in until that content or that meter is reading 16% or less. That will save you a lot of aggravation. And and likely save you a lot of money in the process as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah. Not, no doubt about it. Well, listen, John Conroy is here. His store is on O'Neill Lane. It still stands after everything that happened here. And you can go by <laughs> and, uh, and see John and, and ask questions and get the product you need, especially if you are someone who wants to do most of this yourself because you're trying to save some money. No doubt. Give us a call. Well, done. <laughs> again, it doesn't do, good, do any good to call because we still don't have phones, and I haven't seen a cock struck in over a week. Imagine that. So, um, 
Well, listen, brother, I appreciate the information you're giving to people and we'll keep folks updated on what they need to do uh, with treating their home and get rid of, getting rid of the mold. And uh, we appreciate you being yeah. on with us, man. Oh, my pleasure. Hang on a second. John That's Conroy, great. the founder and owner of Pest Stop, back with Jay Grimes in just a moment. Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. Back with Jay Grimes. He is the chief meteorologist at WAFB-TV in Baton Rouge, and he has been... Busier than a squirrel in acorn season with all of the rain we've had going on around here. Uh, you like that uh, that analogy? That's pretty good. Busier than a squirrel during an acorn season. Uh, that was that was right on point there, Clay. <laughs> Although, and as well, you've talked about. I mean, really, the people that have just been uh, remarkable have been the uh, first responders, particularly those that were going into neighborhoods and pulling people out neighborhoods that they lived in and knowing what they were going to go home to after the rescue effort was over. So let's talk about the circumstances that led to what we're dealing with right now, that rainstorm. Why was it so different than other storms we've dealt with? Yeah, if most folks will remember that, uh, or they may remember that if you go back to the early part of that week, the weekend before and that Monday into Tuesday, we were watching this big mess that was along the uh, Florida Panhandle. And for days, we've been telling people that this was coming our way. We knew it was coming. We knew it was going to create some troubles. We didn't know how incredible the uh, rain event was going to be. And, and so it continued its march from east to west towards us. And as it did, uh, uh, the problem really became that it started to slow down and and keep in mind even though the the core of it the heart of it was over land this thing quacked like a duck and walked like a duck it had tropical characteristics even though it wasn't over water and, and typically when we talk about tropical storms and hurricanes the core of the storm has to be over the water to get its energy to get its fuel. So we've got this slow moving unnamed tropical system headed our way. And then when it gets here, then it puts on the brakes. And I don't think people are, many people are fully aware of just how much water it dumped in such a short period of time. In a couple of hours, we've got numerous rain gauges that are pinging 25, 27 inches one, the top 30 inches of rain in a period of really less than three days. Now, to put that number in perspective, that's six months' worth of rainfall in wow. three days. Wow, wow. In our flat land, there's no place for that to go. And so what we really had was a tropical system that just didn't get named. And because it didn't get named, it didn't get national attention. That's uh, it. So when... when, when when folks talk about the system in the future, we're going to talk about it as a, as if it was a tropical 
uh, disturbance, a tropical system, but it just, uh, it never got that kind of attention. And then it was just the, the double whammy of a very moist system being fed by Gulf moisture and then, then parking over top of us for a couple of days. Do you think most of what we've gotten in the days following it have kind of just been the typical summer season weather storms? Yeah, absolutely. But we're suddenly we're hypersensitive to every rumble of thunder, every afternoon shower and, and of no reason not to be. I mean, even here we are 10 days after the rains started and fully more than a week since the real rains ended. And you've still got neighborhoods within 15 miles of Baton Rouge that are in standing water. Some homes that still aren't even accessible. Uh, this was way off the charts. Those rainfall numbers concentrated in such a short period. We let the bean counters do this calculation, but we're talking about 500 to 1,000 year events, something you would only expect to occur in 10 centuries. And that's where we really kind of understand that there was no planning or preparing for this, nor was there any ability to anticipate the severity of the event. We knew we were going to have flooding. No one ever thought that we were going to shatter the records at virtually every water level gauge across the region. The Amid River, most people down here know that prior to this event, it was the 1983, April 1983. That was the benchmark storm. People were building to avoid the 1983 storm. The Amy River at Denham Springs was nearly five feet higher than in 1983. Wow. It would be sort of like, it would be the equivalent of breaking the 100-meter dash by two seconds. It's that kind of ridiculously high change in the record. When you so mentioned when it, you mentioned earlier that that this was something that could not have been anticipated because of the nature of it, I mean, kind of talk more to that because that's I've had that conversation with a few people, you know, asking why didn't we see this coming? Why weren't there signs that it was going to rain that much and for that long? And you're saying there's no way you could have seen that coming. Well, as, I mean, we we use computer models to do forecasting and, and the computer models have limitation of our understanding of the atmosphere and of the physics. Have we seen a rain event like this before in South Louisiana? Yeah, but closer to the coast and, uh, 70 years ago, there was a 30 inch storm that, uh, hit, uh, uh, parts of Acadiana, but even that was stretched over a handful of days, not concentrated, in uh, two to three days. So, and, and think about it. When you, when you look at uh, anything, it's not, just, uh, it's not just weather, but in, in economics, in marketing, in finance, when you look at something that forecasts a record, you take that in stride. But when you look at something that uh, evolves into a system that your computer modeling can't anticipate, then it, it's not, you can't lay the blame uh, or the lack of warning on the weather industry. No one, no one saw this coming. And anyone who does say, yeah, I saw it and they weren't listening to me. Now they're full of a bag of hot air. 
or something else. Uh, So then we're in hurricane season now. We're at the point in the season where it starts to intensify some. What do you what do you foresee for the back end of this hurricane season? Well, if you're asking me, what do I see for Louisiana? Yes. We're just not that good. And don't, and same thing here. Nobody is that good. But what I can tell you is that over the next five to six weeks, historically, that's our window that accounts for better than 50% of our landfalls of named storms. So this really is the hot zone on the calendar for us, late August through the month of September. Uh, chances of us statistically of getting clipped by something somewhere in the state are probably still around 40% or so between now and the end of the season. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to alarm people and I'm even hesitant to talk about the tropics right now because we're struggling so much with just trying to get this last event under and controls not even but get it, get it, get a grip on it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if mother nature wants to be, uh, just completely ugly, this would be uh, a period here where we could have to deal with a tropical system, except this time it might have a name. All right. So when you, when you look at, look back at all of the rain we got and you look at the way that the rivers and waters and everything here reacted. Was there anything in there that you find that you found interesting or brand new or is a warning to you that it's never going to be the same again in the way that water flows after heavy rains? Well, you know, Clay, and I don't want to sound uh, like a smart aleck here, but we all know (laughs) water flows downhill, right? The water behaves exactly the way it was supposed to. Did I see anything new? Well, absolutely. Every, every stream, every bayou, every river set a new record in the Baton Rouge uh, metro area. So what we saw was water, water go from uh, rivers and bayous, particularly the Amy River. We saw it go to places we'd never seen before. They still have high water down in St. John Parish from the Amy River. Now, for folks that have sort of a sense of mapping, when you start thinking about how far that water was out of place to get all the way down to places like Garyville and Reserve, uh, I mean, the water's not, the Amy River is not supposed to go down there. So we saw that. We saw some rivers like, uh, and bayous like Bayou Manchac, for example, flowing with a serious current in the wrong direction because there was so much water coming down uh, from the Felicianas, from St. Helena Parish and uh, northern Livingston and northern EBR. So did I see things that were intriguing and and mind-boggling? The answer is absolutely yes. And uh, and that's even beyond what we saw in terms of these record stages and various gauges. And a perfect example to me was was the uh uh-oh moment when I saw... Jay, you there? Talk about an uh-oh moment. Let's see if we can reconnect with him here. Talk about a, a cliffhanger here. We got him back on the line here. So you were saying the uh-oh moment right before the phone went uh-oh. What was that moment? Well, the uh-oh moment for me was when I saw the video from Range Avenue over in Denton Spring. Yeah. And, and realizing that the Amy River 
was one to two miles away from range and you saw water that was, uh, you know, halfway up or more the car windows. And that was when you realized uh, this is, this is cataclysmic. Uh, and, uh, and we saw that in other neighborhoods too, and, and in other communities. And, and even when you look at the flooding that went on in North Baton Rouge, you say, where did that water even come from? And it just gives you that, uh, that sense of no matter what we try and do, no matter how much we think we can engineer a fix, mother nature is still in charge and mother nature has not got some limitation. And so when we throw these numbers out, like the 100 year flood, she's not listening to that or the 500 year flood. And so it, it just, what we had here was just the, the, uh, the enormity of water in just too short of amount of time. And there is no way it could have been forecasted, nor could it have been controlled. It's uh, it was something to see. It was and and have you had a chance to drive around the city and see the damage? I'm mean, I'm sure because you've been working so many hours talking through what's been happening weather wise. I don't know if you've had a chance to really drive and look at the aftermath, but have you? Yeah, and matter of fact, uh, the good folks down in Ascension, the sheriff's office down there, took me down into Santa Mall when the water was still up. And just, you know, here's the thing. For the folks at home that were the lucky ones that didn't have the impact, and even they may be like me driving through these neighborhoods and just seeing these endless stacks of, of people's lives on the curb. But until you get down to where the water is, you don't realize just, how bad it is. You can watch all you want on TV, but you really have to get down there and see how slowly the water is moving, the odors that it's beginning to pick up. And you've got folks working in their homes, gutting them while water is still lapping at the threshold. And there are still, as I said before, there are still some communities where they still have water in the house. And in some cases, it could be days before that water falls, goes low enough that they can even get into their home. So uh, I think this is an event that it's not going to go on for months. It's going to go on for years. Even yeah. long after the water is gone, the recovery effort is going to take uh, just an enormously long amount of time. And you think about the impact not only to the Baton Rouge community and the greater Baton Rouge community, but you also impacted two of the most vibrant economic parishes in the state. Um, you know, the, the, the story, just the more you think about it, the, the, the sadder it gets. It really is. And it, it doesn't seem like it's improving anytime soon with what people are learning. And, you know, I had John Conroy on a second ago and he's talking about the mold. And, and you know, the big thing is if you don't handle that right, it can be a long-term problem for your home, but then there are also, uh, you know, the health aspect that plays with all of this mold in the air right. and people breathing this in. And it's, I mean, it's just a mess, but I'll end on this note. I think the resilience, the compassion, uh, the, the, the level of decency shown by the people of South Louisiana cannot be ignored. No question there. I mean, you see and you talk to, in fact, as I was rolling through parts of Iberville and Ascension Parish, 
every single person I talk to. Now, they don't necessarily represent every individual in the region, but everyone that I talked to down there said, we're rebuilding, we're staying. So there is a, a, a love of the land down here that uh, uh, surpasses even uh, Mother Nature's greatest ferocity. But it is going to be a long time, and this community will never quite be the same uh, as we once we get over the water, once we start to decide how are we going to try to at least mitigate to some degree the impact of an event like this in the future. But, but the bottom line is there, there's a point at which you just can't engineer a fix. And I would argue that this was the event that couldn't have been engineered, even if we knew it was coming. Well, even if you knew it was coming, even if you knew how bad it was going to be, the aftermath of it, the rain, the flooding, there's really nothing you could have done about it anyway. And that's, that's, that, that, that's, that's the sad truth. Right. Um, yep. Because the water was going to run the way the water ran. Well, listen, let's hope when this hurricane season is over that we can look back and say that this was the worst we had to deal with. And let's hope we don't have anything else <laughs> that's going to give us any problems. I know you can't predict it, but you can certainly hope that it's not anything that we're going to have to deal with going forward. Well, Clay, there's no question about that. In fact, if you look at the impact of tropical weather in Baton Rouge historically, this still will rank at the top of the list. Oh, it's worse than Gustav by a million miles. The hurricane might have been easier to handle than what we had. Because most hurricanes aren't going to dump this kind of water. I agree with you. I agree. All right, folks, Jay Grimes, chief forecaster, chief meteorologist for WAFB-TV here in Baton Rouge. Hang on for me, Jay. You bet, Clay. Thanks a lot. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. This is the Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. Hopefully we helped you again this week. If there is information you'd like to get and you're not finding it anywhere, you can message me on Facebook or on Twitter, or you can email me directly, clay at podcast225.com. Be safe out there. Take care of one another and yourselves, and we'll catch you next time here on The Clay Young Show, on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. See ya. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.